you just for a moment, and I know that I know that Hillary and, and Christine and that generation, Larry, you'll appreciate some of the things I'm about to bring to your attention because we've come a long way, baby. We've come. Look at somebody say, we've come a long way. And in 1945, my mom would have been a teenager. Let me read this as perhaps she would read it if I could just entertain you just for a moment. Are you ready? We were born before television, before penicillin, before polio shots, frozen food, Xerox, plastic, contact lenses, Frisbee, and the pill. We were before radar, credit cards, split atoms, laser beams, and ballpoint pens. Before pantyhose, dishwashers, clothes dryers, electric blankets, air conditioners, drip dye clothes, and before men walked on the moon. We got married first and then lived together. How quaint is that? In our time, closets were for clothes, not for coming out of. Bunnies were small rabbits. Bunnies were small rabbits. And rabbits were not Volkswagens. Designer jeans were scheming girls named Jean or Jean Jeanette and having a meaningful relationship and getting along well with our cousins. We thought fast food was something that you ate during Lent, and outer space was the back of a Riviera theater. We were before house husbands, gay rights, computer dating, dual careers, and commuter marriages. We were before daycare centers, group therapy, and nursing homes. We never heard of FM radio, tape decks, electric typewriters, artificial hearts, word processors, yogurt, and guys wearing earrings. For us, time-sharing meant togetherness, not computers or condominiums. A chip meant a piece of wood, and hardware meant hardware, and software wasn't even a word. In 1940, made in Japan meant junk, and the term making out referred to how you did on your exam. Pizzas, McDonald's, and instant coffee were unheard of. We hit the scene when there were 5 and 10 cent stores where you could actually buy things for 5 and 10 cents. Sanders or Wilson sold ice cream cones for a nickel or a dime. For one nickel, you could write a streetcar, mail a letter and two postcards, buy a Pepsi or enough stamps to mail a letter and two postcards. You could buy a new Chevy Coupe for $600, but who could afford one? Pity, too, because gas was 11 cents a gallon. In our day, cigarette smoking was fashionable, grass was mowed, Coke was a soft drink, and pot was something you cooked in. Rock music was grandma's lullaby, and aides were helpers in the principal's office. We were certainly not before the difference between the sexes were discovered, but we were surely before the sex change we may do with what we had. And we were the last generation that was so dumb as to think you needed a husband to have a baby. No wonder we're so confused, and there is a generation gap. <laughs> Anybody? Relate. Well, I want to go back before 1945. I want to go back 4,000 years ago. And I want to talk about a guy by the name of Noah. Noah's story is found in the 6th, 7th, and 8th chapter of Genesis. And Noah's story is probably one of the most unbelievable, unexplainable, unimaginable stories in the entire Bible. We know that there was a generation where sons of God knew daughters of men. There were giants in the land. And scholars are still trying to split hairs as to what sons of gods were and what the giants were. But the earth had become so horrible and so evil that according to the message, a translation of the Bible, God saw the world as a sewer and that everything was corruptible. But there was a man by the name of Noah that had three sons that somehow found favor 
in God's eyes. He, he must have been a good guy. He must have been a, a man of integrity, a man of, a man of honor. There was something about Noah that God specialized, picked out, pointed out, and said, Noah, there's something I want you to do. There had never been rain. The Bible says a dew came up from the ground to water the earth. They didn't know what lightning, thunder, storm clouds. It had never rained in the history of the world. And the world is about 2,000, probably about, about 1,000 years old. And so God said, I want you to build an ark. Noah didn't even know what an ark was. He couldn't Google it. There was no internet. So he had to learn from God how to build the ark. God gave Noah the plans how not just to build the ark, but to create a phenomenal product that now has developed into fiberglass the ability for something to flow without leaking, an actual structure that was waterproof. And God gave Noah the ingredients, told him how to make that, that special bark, that special oil that would cover the ship. God told Noah to build the ship about the size of a Walmart. If you put all three levels together, it would have been 100,000 square foot. The ark was 450 foot long. If you were to start in the far corner of the property and walk all the way to the side, that's about 450 foot. It was 75 foot wide, which is about as wide as this building right here. It was three levels. So technically, when you do all the math, it was 100,000 square foot. God told Noah not just to build the ark, but to take enough food on the ark for he and seven of his family to survive and enough food for all the animals of the world to be fed. Of course, your mind begins to speculate and contemplate. You know, I, we, have a, we have a part of our church body that has gone into the profession of raising rabbits for sale, and he tells me that every six weeks a rabbit can have 10 to 12 rabbits. The entire time that Noah and the animals of the world were on the ark was over a year, one entire year that he lived with his wife, three sons, three daughter-in-laws. Ironically, in the 120 years that it took them to build the ark, that the three sons did not have any children. Just kind of some things you just ponder and wonder. You also wonder how Noah dealt with the fertilizer. Because something about an animal, an animal will eat and do the other thing. And when they do the other thing, there's something that you need to do with the other thing, not just the ammonia levels, but the stench and all of the corruption in that. Somehow that had to be dealt with, and there was only one window on the ark, and that was on the top floor. So you wonder whose duty was it to take the shovel, fill the bucket, walk up three flights of stairs, and dump whatever he had to dump or she had to dump over over the ark so you ponder that how many rabbits were born how many snails were conceived i mean what actually happened in that year scholars teach that those animals went into a season of hibernation but god contradicts that and tells noah to take enough food to feed not just the animals of the world but all the birds of the air so the animals of the world the birds of the air when god said it was time went on the ark two by two and there they survived for a year then God allowed the, the ark to settle in Mount Ararat. There are scholars that claim, and one of those is Vindal Jones, who was the reason that Raiders of the Lost Ark was produced. Vindal Jones is an archaeologist. He's a research uh, uh, expert. He spends his time looking for the Kalil, which is the ashes of the red heifer, which means nothing probably to this house, but the ashes of the heifer need to be installed before the priest 
order could be restructured according to the last days. And so this man, Vindal Jones, claims that he has pictures from satellites that they have found the ark on one of the mountains in Turkey. But the Turkish government would not allow archaeologists to go and, and pursue to see if this really is the ark. But we do know that it rained for 40 days and 40 nights, and we do know that the entire world, not just the region of, 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 of where Noah was located, but the entire world was flooded by water. They, they have proved that through science, they have proved that through, through studies, that the, the, the experts, whoever they are, declare that 4,000 years ago, the entire world was flooded by water. Because it was flooded by water, there was no place for the birds to dwell, there was no place for the animals to live. The only thing that survived in that flood were the fish. When you begin to think about the, the life of Noah on the ark and the things that Noah went through, I, I begin to just kind of reflect on some things that are happening right now in 2013. We, as God's gift to you, are supposed to share with you how you are to live your life this year, what, what you're supposed to do, what you are to expect, some things that you can place in your life that maybe you haven't placed before. My mind immediately goes to Colossians, the third chapter, and if you'll allow me just a brief moment to read some scriptures, and we find this, this in verse 12. This is our instruction for 2013. Put on therefore as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercy, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, and longsuffering. Reading from the King James. Forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, any even as Christ forgave you, so also do you. Above all these things, put on charity, which is the bond of perfect, perfectness. And, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts, which also you're called in one body, and be ye thankful. And let the words of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching in all wisdom, and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns, spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts unto the Lord. And whatsoever, watch this, you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. Pastor Rhonda, wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as it is fit in the Lord. Donnie, husbands, love your wives and be not bitter against them. Brenda, uh, uh, Courtney, children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing unto the Lord. Uh, who can I pick on? Uh, fathers, provoke not your children to anger, lest they be discouraged. Servants, employees, obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service as men pleasers, but in singles of heart, fearing God. And whatsoever you do, here it is again, whatsoever you do, do it heartily as the Lord, not unto men, knowing that of the Lord ye shall receive the reward of the inheritance, for ye serve the Lord Christ. And the last verse is kind of a negative report. If you don't do these things, then you will reap what you sow, for God is no respecter of persons. So here we are in the book of Colossians. We've got kind of a standard that we are to live by. And when I think about Noah and his three sons and his three daughter-in-laws and four, four women on, on the boat, I just, I, I, let me be very careful what I say. But once a month in the season of those 12 months, there was a time when most of the women on the boat were irritated. How did Noah and his sons survive? I mean, we have, guys, we have ways of escape and we have things that we can do. But poor Noah and his three sons on that boat. That's just something I just wanted to just let you reflect on a minute. If you think things are bad, they could possibly be worse. You could have to move in with your parents for a season. You could have to have your parents move in with you. I believe my parents have declared that they're going to live long enough to put me through the hell that I put them through when I was going through puberty. Can anybody relate? 
But when I look at the life of Noah, and I look at the, I look at the season of what Noah teaches us, there are 13 things, and the reason there are 13, because obviously this is 2013, so I thought that'd be a cool number. Uh, Donnie has bet somebody a large amount of money that I cannot finish this before 12 o'clock, so, so that Donnie would have to pay that money to that person. I'm going to do, do my best to give you all 13 points in the next 31 minutes. So if you're taking notes, you don't have to. Courtney can make copies for you, and you can have this later for your files if you think it, it deems necessary. The 13 things that I believe that Noah has taught me concerning his cessation with the ark. Number one, are you ready? Don't miss the boat. Look at somebody and say, duh. I remember on one particular, Pastor Ron and I, our two favorite places in the world, Number one is Waikiki, and number two is Disney World. Those are two. We enjoy Orlando, California, the Disney World. We enjoy going to Hawaii. I remember one particular trip to Hawaii. I don't know if it was our first trip, but we decided to hire an artist to draw a rendering of us. And she did. It's in the, it's in the hallway. I don't know if everybody's seen it or not. But it's a, it's, a, it's a pretty good rendering, but it was large. It was bulky. And we went to go to check our baggage. We couldn't check our baggage because this particular uh, article was too large for regular baggage. So we had to go to a special line to check our baggage. Well, long story short, to check the, the, the picture and everything, we missed the plane. We, the plane flew without us. We missed the plane. Of course, of all the places in the world to miss the plane, Hawaii is a good one. Because we went right back to the motel, went right back out to eat, went and watched a movie, enjoyed the evening, had an extra day in Hawaii at the, at the airport's expense. Next morning, we flew out and made our journey. I guess the point that I would like to make is don't allow the baggage in your life to cause you to miss the boat. The Lord pre pre prepared a phenomenal banquet and he invited his friends to come. One friend said, I can't come because I just got married. Don't let your family issues keep you from being what God wants you to be. One said, I can't, I can't come. I've just bought some oxen. I need to go try them out. Don't let your business or your job keep you from experiencing the things of God. The third person said, hey, I bought a piece of land. And I, I need to go look at it, go check it out. Don't let your retirement plans and don't let your vacation plans and don't allow your toys to keep you from being what God wants you to be and doing what God wants you to do. Get on the boat. Quit procrastinating. Quit making excuses. Quit explaining why, why you can't do what God said you can do. Look at someone and say, if it's God's will, it's God's, it's God's bill. It's God's God is not looking necessarily for ability, but God is looking for availability. As you look through the Bible, there are divine interruptions when God came to Job, when God came to David, when God came to Jacob, when God came to Abraham. How would you like to receive a word that says, hey, move out of Cleveland, Tennessee, go to a country that I will show you, because I'm going to give it to you for an inheritance. So there are times when God, without anybody's, that was a good word, what, even, the, even the kids are with you right now. I feel the presence of God in this place. I feel the, oh, never mind, it was that air conditioning duck. But, <laughs> sorry about that. Don't, don't, don't allow anything in life to keep you, to hinder you from what God wants you to do and what God wants you to be. Get on the boat. If you're going to quit smoking, quit smoking. Robert, since January 1st, how many cigarettes have you smoked? How many? Too many, but how many? A pack, and you've been smoking a pack a day, so this is the sixth. So instead of six packs, you smoke one pack. So he made a decision. 
And some of the things we make are not easy. When Pastor, when Pastor Rhonda talked about weight loss, I mean, I mean, hey, it is what it is. I mean, sometimes we eat a little more than we should. We gain a little bit more than we should. And if we don't have enough money to go buy another wardrobe, then we've got to reduce back down to get into the size that we want to be. Can anybody relate? If you've been determined, well, I want to go back to school and I want to get my degree. I want, I want to get a better job. I, I want to go to a place where I, I, can, I can better myself. Pastor Shane's wife, I would scare you if I told you how much, how much money she makes an hour. Can I tell him how much, how much does she make an hour? About $35 an hour? A little less than that. But you know why she makes that kind of money? Because she went to school three times and got three different degrees. And right now she's at, is she a physician's aide or, or a, a registered nurse? Yeah, so, I, mean, I mean, how cool is that? But she wouldn't get that kind of money if she hadn't made up her mind. I'm going to take a chunk of my life. I'm going to put everything on the back burner, and I'm going to pursue this. Courtney's pursuing her college online. You've got to make a decision that whatever God is calling me to do, whatever God wants me to do, I've got to prepare myself to do that. If God is calling you to fly a plane, then you better go to school and learn how to fly it. I talked to a girl yesterday. She said her heart was in science. And I said, well, what, what are you going to do with that? You're going to become a doctor, become a nurse? What do, you, what do you want to do with that? She said, well, I want to be a lawyer. I said, well, then if you, if you know science, you can represent people that blow up stuff. Whew, never mind. You had to be there. You had to be there just for the moment. Okay, point number one, don't miss the boat. For 120 years, Noah preached the fact that there was a storm coming. They had never seen a storm, didn't know what a cloud was, didn't know what lightning was, didn't know what thunder was, didn't know what it was like for clouds to precipitate, low and rain to fall. So what Noah was speaking was so unimaginable, they just put it on the back burner. But every day he did what God calls him to do, even though there were no salvations. There was no growth. He didn't grow 150 a year. He grew nothing. The only ones he convinced to get on the boat were three sons and three wives and, and his wife. Eight of them starts on this journey, kind of like Gilligan's Island. They start a three-hour tour, and it takes a year to complete it. Can you, can you imagine the pressure that was on Noah to preach the gospel, to preach the word, and nobody believe it? Listen, God has raised up prophecy preachers in our life that we have confidence in. God has told us the signs of the time. The only thing, and you can quote me to say this, the only thing left before the Lord can return and rapture the church out of this environment, the only thing is a world revival. He said, ask of me and I will give you nations as an inheritance. The word said, in the last days, multitudes would be in the valley of decision. That hundreds of thousands would come back to the Lord. That the church would grow. The church would prosper. And the Lord would come back, not for anemic bride that's tied up with denominational structure, but a church of the living God, true saints of God, that are trying to walk their life according to the word of God and trying to live their life according to the light and salt that they've declared themselves to be. So prophetically, there is a storm coming, and there's an ark being prepared. There is, there is a return. There is a promise. There are things that we're looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. The Bible says, and when all these things begin to come to pass, then know that the end is near. Two shall be in the field, one taken, one left. Two in the bed, one taken, one left. We've been preaching this message for 33 years, and it's more intense and serious today than it's ever been. Jesus Christ is returning for a people that are watching and waiting for him. Not for foolish virgins that don't have their containers full of oil, but for the wise that declare and know he's coming and live their life every day as if he could return tomorrow. Amen. Don't miss the boat. The second point that I want to bring to your attention, and I better hurry, 
is remember we're all in the same boat. Every one of us are on a path. Donnie, he's raising the bet. <laughs> Every one of us are on the same path. Not all of us walk at the same speed. Not all of us know as much as everybody else. There are those of us that are mature that we are to help those that are immature. There are those of us that are strong that are helped and weak. But we never allow pride or, or spiritual indifference ever disqualify us from realizing that it is the purpose of you and I to win as many people as we can to the kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ. We need to know what the Roman road says. We need to know that all have sinned and come short the glory of God. We need to know that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. We need to know that if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord and God's raising from the dead, you shall be saved. And we need to know that uh, uh, Romans 10 and 13, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And the way people get saved is by being fascinated and enamored by your testimony some of you guys have some incredible stories you should be dead I was sharing yesterday with 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 a, with a, with a couple that had I followed through the Friday after the Sunday I got saved had I followed through the plans that I had my plans were to sell sixty thousand dollars worth of marijuana to a buyer I had two partners. I got saved Sunday, called them Monday, told them I could not go through it. They went through with it. It was a sting. They sold $60,000 worth of marijuana, which at that time was a felony, to the Anaheim Police Department. Their fathers were multimillionaires, wealthy. They tied it up five years in court. None of them did any time. They did parole, probation. Had I been arrested, I had no money, no money for a lawyer. I could have served three to ten years of my life in prison. Does that, make, does that help anybody in, in the place today? There are D-days in your life when God is telling you it's time for you to do what God has called you to do, be what God has called you to be, and, 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 and allow yourself to realize that we are here for one reason and one reason only, and that's to help one another. Can I get an amen in this house? And I realize we're in an environment that's, that's, that's full of trouble. I realize that, that everything right now is scary. The government's scary. And uh, my, my concept of what's going on right now in government, may I, may, may I share with you what I feel? Mr. Obama went to England to visit with the Queen and was so impressed by uh, the way she ran her house and by the way the management, the finances. He asked her, how do you run a house so healthy? And how do you financially, how do you stay on budget? How do you, how do, how do, you do so well? He said, that's simple. I surround myself with intelligent people. And he said, well, how do you know they're intelligent? She said, well, I asked them intelligent riddles to see if they're thinking, see if, they, if they're smart. He said, what do you mean? And she looked at her secretary and said, have Tony Blair come in. So Tony Blair walked in the office. The queen looked at him and said, Tony, your mom and dad have a child. It's not your brother or your sister. Who is it? Tony said, oh, that's easy. It's me. And she looked at Mr. Obama and said, just ask your staff an intelligent riddle and make sure they can answer it. So Mr. Mr. Obama flew back to Washington, D.C., called in Joe Biden, and said, Joe, let me ask you a question. Your mom and dad have a child. It's not your brother. It's not your sister. Who is it? Joe said, just wait a minute, Mr. President. I'll get back with you. So Mr. President called everybody in the staff in the office, asked the question. Nobody could answer it. Joe Biden called Sarah Palin. So Sarah, let me ask you something. Your mom and dad has a child. It's not your brother. It's not your sister. Who is it? Sarah said, oh, that's easy. It's me. So, so Mr. Ben, Mr. Joe Biden goes back to Mr. Obama and says, Mr. Obama, I have the answer to your riddle. The answer to your question, a, a man and wife have a child, and, and it's not your brother and sister. Who is it? It's Sarah Palin. 
And Mr. Obama said, no, you dummy, it's Tony Blair. <laughs> now, Donnie, that shouldn't be counted against me in my, in my time frame that we're on. Number three, plan ahead. It wasn't raining when Noah built the ark. Real brief. Failed to plan, plan to fail. We'll spend th 13 years of our life learning how to fill out a college application. We'll spend four years of our life learning how to fill out a job application, which we can change anytime we want. We will spend zero time, read no books, no counsel before we get married. The reason a lot of marriages fail today is there's absolutely no plans, no knowledge, no, no education, no instruction. They just assume that they're going to get married, have kids, and live happily ever after. That only happens to Sleeping Beauty and Cinderella, and both of them had their own personal storms they had to, they had to maintain. Make sure you plan. Whatever you're going to do, make small plans. You've heard me say, aim small, miss small. But in order to finish, you have to start. He's not just the author, he's the finisher. He's still writing a legacy about you. Make sure you fill the pages in with stuff that you're learning to do for his kingdom to be what he's called you to be. Number four. We've already touched on this, I'll be very brief. Stay in shape. When you're 500 years old, God may ask you to do something incredibly big. Noah's 500 years old and God calls him to, to start off at a construction site to build an ark to host the animals of the world. A woman in the midlife crisis had gained quite a bit of weight, was standing in a full-length mirror nude, and she looked at herself and she said, Oh, I'm, I'm so wretched, I'm so fat, I'm so wrinkled, I'm so... She looked over to her husband and says, Honey, I'm, I'm having a tough day, I just need a word of encouragement. You, you know how I feel, you know what I said. And he said, Honey, one thing about you, you're eyesight is excellent where's Ashley I want to see if Ashley is always the one to determine whether you got the joke or not number number five number five don't listen to the critics just get on with a job that needs to be done can you imagine you the humiliation the skepticism the criticism no what are you building Nehemiah, what are you doing on the wall? Right. Job, curse God and die. Right. There's always going to be people in your life, usually those closest to you. How can anything good come out of Nazareth? Right. Right. People that know you, they've already got you pegged. They've already got you failing. You'll, you'll never amount to it. You'll never accomplish anything. That's all a lie. If God said it, then you declare it and then pursue the journey to be what God wants you to be and quit listening to negative, critical people. Listen, hang around people that celebrate you, not people that tolerate you. If your best friend's constantly lying on you, putting stuff on Facebook about you, text about you, get a new friend. If, you're, if your employees, if they're, if they're saying junk about you, get another job. Go, go, go where you're honored and you're respected and you're a part of what God is doing in the last days. I need someone to amen that, if you will. Like, look at Number six, build your future on high ground. What are you saying, Pastor? Every one of us, without exception, have mountains in our life that God does not want us to circle. He doesn't want us to blow up. 
He wants us to climb. Sir Edmund Hillary attempted to climb Mount Everest dozens of times only to fail. Actually, people died on one of his, on his summits. He was lecturing to a bunch of students, had a picture of Mount Everest back behind him. At the end of his lecture, he looked at his mountain and he said, I will defeat you. You have defeated me, but I will defeat you. And the reason I will defeat you is because you can't grow anymore, but I can. If the mountains in your life are overwhelming you, start growing. Start maturing. Start growing up. Start hanging around people that can tell you good stuff and see the best in you and promote you and encourage you to be the very best that you can be. Number six. Number seven. For safety's sake, travel in pairs. There's a reason why God said it's not good for man to be alone. There's a reason why the word says when two or three agree in my name, whatever they bind on earth is bound in heaven. Whatever they loose in earth is loosed in heaven. Find and hang around people that you are in agreement with. Find people that you can relate to. Find people that have the same purpose, the same cause. Find people that have already conquered what you've conquered and pick their brain. Only pride keeps you from the dumbest question asked is a question not asked. Don't ever let anything to intimidate you to keep you from finding out how you can grow, how you can better yourself, how you can overcome something. There are people that there are people have a, a tough, I'll be very brief, there was a young man struggling with pornography and he told me that every, every day on his way home he would stop and get a Coke or a cup of coffee and there was a rack there of pornography and he was just having a, he was having a tough time with it. My instructed him, of course I was a young pastor then, didn't know a whole lot, my instructed him, Quit going to stores that sell porno. I thought that was pretty good. I thought that was pretty. I mean, that was like 20. I thought that was pretty good counsel. And as far as I know, he is now delivered. He's healthy. He's whole. There, there. I, I can't go on. I got to. I got to collect Donnie's money. I don't want to lose any of that. Oh, I wish I had time to talk about two by two, but I don't. Number eight. Speed. Speed isn't always an advantage. The snail was on the ark with the cheetah. Remember, it was the tortoise that won the race, not the the rabbit. Don't worry that you're around people that are better than you. Don't worry that you're around people more educated than you. Don't worry around people that, that have more money than you. In 1937, John D. Rockefeller, of every $30 made, he made one of them. That puts his wealth at 10 times more than Bill Gates. Think about that for a minute. You see Rockefeller all over in space travel, aerodynamics. They are, they, are, they are a monster. At one time, he literally connected with the world. When he died, one of the publicists asked the question, what did he leave? He left everything. You'll never see a hearse pulling a U-Haul. Naked you came in this world, and naked you shall leave. You'll leave with none of your possessions, not even your body. Only your spirit is eternal. I'm preaching so good I forgot what point I I was making. Speed isn't always an advantage. Go with what you got. Use what God has given you. Pursue Pursue your mountain. Climb your mountain. Surround yourself with people that will help you. Number nine. When you find yourself stressed, float. When you find yourself stressed, chill. When you find yourself stressed, find something. It might be Mozart. 
it may be Les Miserables, but something that seems to encourage you. Put on a psalm, put on a hymn, put on a spiritual song. Go to a praise and worship comment. Read a, read a book. You're going to find yourself in your life that there's going to be stress. ZX and Prozac and, 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 and those, those things are not the solutions of your problem. It's not God's will for you to medicate the, your storm. It's God's will for you to cast all your care upon him for he careth for you. He will pick up that bird. He will carry it. Footprints in the sand. He's following you. When you struggle, he'll pick you up and he will carry you. And if he carries the weight of the world upon his shoulders, how much more does he care for you? Every sparrow that I shot when I was 13 with my new BB gun, God knew when it fell, knew where it fell and marked. When I brushed my hair this morning, some of you don't have hair and understand that you can't relate to this, but when I brushed my hair this morning, there were three or four hairs in my brush. God knew every hair that would fall from my head. How much more does he care about you? If he makes sure that every sparrow is fed, if he makes sure that every rainbow is paid, if he makes sure every sunset reflects his glory, how much more is he focused on you? Look at somebody and say, I'm all that in a bag of chips. Number 10, remember, the ark was built by amateurs. The Titanic was built by professionals. Don't ever disqualify yourself and say, I'm not able, I'm not qualified, I'm not certified. As you walk through the Old Testament and the New Testament and you look at all the losers, Abraham had a problem with lying, Noah had a problem with wine, jo Jacob had a problem with deception. As you look at the faith chapter, Hebrews 11, and you look at those great men and women of God, every one of them had a cha challenge. Every one of them had some kind of personality disorder. Every one of them had some kind of attitude. It's God that has the ability to take a loser. Hello. God can take a nobody and turn them into somebody and realize there's somebody serving a nobody. Oh, somebody just shout and wave at me just for a moment as I go to number 11. No matter, and we all know what happened to Titanic, right? They said it couldn't sink. No matter the storm, when you're with God... There's always a rainbow waiting at the end. Not necessarily a pot of gold. But the sun will come out tomorrow. Tomorrow, tomorrow, I love you tomorrow. You're only a day away. Today is the tomorrow you worried about yesterday. Worry is like a rocking chair. Gives you something to do, but you don't get anywhere. You don't accomplish anything. Good things happen to people that wait upon the Lord and expect those good things to happen. Amen. Weeping endures for a season, but joy comes in the morning. And the morning, great is thy faithfulness. The promises of God are new every morning. This day is drawing to a close. Tomorrow's a new day, a new opportunity. A new, you wipe the slate clean. You take the liquid paper, the blood of Jesus. You erase all your mistakes today. You don't remind yourself of them tomorrow, nor do you put anybody in your life that will remind you of your failures. Remember, God sent his son that his blood will wipe out your mistake. Today is a brand new day in Jesus Christ. Yes. The sun will not shine for many days, but there stood by me this night the angel of the Lord. Paul had a connection. No matter how bad it was, he prophesied it would be bad. But God said, Paul, I won't let one soul get lost because they're all going to get saved and they're going to make heaven their home. And the end of the story on the island, not one person drowned. Half of them couldn't swim. 
Not one person was lost. What God said took place. The sun is about to shine. And under you that fear his name shall the son of a righteousness arise with healing in his wings. Somebody give somebody a high five and take the pressure off of me. Number 12. Remember the outcome in everything. Remember the outcome in everything. Remember the outcome in everything. Can I tell you what that is? You will reap what you sow. You will reap what you sow. If you sow to the Spirit, you'll reap everlasting life and promises and blessings. If you sow to the flesh, you'll reap corruption, damnation, and hell. Your words. The one thing the devil was after was not Job's marriage, it was not his children, it was not his finances, it was not his wealth, it was not his praise. The one thing the devil wanted was his words. You are what you eat, you are what you speak. What you declare, what you say today, that's what you will be tomorrow. You say it long enough, you will believe it. Make sure you say the right thing. Wrong voices, wrong choices. Surround yourself with good people, good input, good, good source. And number 13, as we approach four minutes before noon. Number 13. Always expect the dove to appear in your scenario. Yes, always expect the dove. This ain't about you. It's a bigger picture than you. It's about God's will to save the world. It's about the power of the Holy Spirit that dwells in you. They released the dove at the ark. The dove did not return, but it showed up when they baptized Jesus. When you've got Jesus in your life and you're baptized into death, not in life, then you have the presence of the Holy Ghost, the power of the dove in your life to bless you in every single thing you do. As one minute to 12 approaches... As every head is bowed, as every eyes closed. If you're here today and you're not where you feel you need to be with the Lord, we will take just a moment here. 2012 vacuumed. Lousy year, rotten year, bad stuff. This is a new day. This is a new season. The best is yet to come. There's more to you than you suppose. You've wandered away from God, the promise of God, the provision of God, the, the protection of God, the practice of God. That's where you're at today. Get on the boat. Get on the boat. Stand at the door and knock. If you open the door of your heart, I will come in. The day will come when the door will be closed. I don't know how many million people died in the flood, but every one of them tried to get on the boat. They couldn't do it. Too tall to get on top. Too low to go underneath. One window, one door. God shut it. Doors wide open today for you to come into the things of God, the family of God, the presence of God. Don't wait too late. Don't wait till the door is shut. Pastor Hank, I am not where I need to be with the Lord. Don't embarrass me. Don't call me out. Don't bring attention to me. But I just want God to know today I have not forgotten. 
I'm not where I need to be, but I want to get back. I want to get back on that path marked straight, that way of holiness. I want to regrip, refocus, replan, redetermine, reconfess. I want to make things right with God. If that's where you're at, you put your hand up, put it right back down. Is there one? Yes. Is there another? Felt like there was one more. Maybe this is all about you right for this moment. Yes. Father, you see the hands, you see the heart, you know the 